0: Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Experts. My name is Jeremy Blossom and today we get to sit down with Peter. He is our lead media buyer. What that means is that he actually runs the entire team of media buyers and this guy has some serious chops. He's gonna break down some of his favorite strategies he uses to scale his ad accounts, some things that he looks for to avoid when buying media and so much more. So if you want more insights on how we're able to scale up our brands that we work with, how we're able to drive over $750 million in revenue, then pay attention to this episode because you will find out exactly how we do that. Welcome, Peter. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me today, man. So you are a world traveler. You are one of the most unique media buyers I've ever met. Where are you coming from?
1: uh like immediately uh, um, well you know in the last
0: like few months anyway where have you been
1: yeah so sunday I flew in from vienna austria where i've been for a couple of months
0: yeah that's amazing and you've been we were just talking you have been to brazil you spent like a year there right buying media and surfing in the morning which yeah it's pretty cool
1: yeah when i started working in media buying in chico I always kind of thought like, I wanna go get this remote job. And so then I moved to Oakland and I was commuting two hours in my car every single day. And so every day while I'm commuting my car, I thought like I have to get a remote job. So then I like really started looking for it. And then you go on this like life cycle where I think everyone from the Bay area goes to Mexico first. And then everyone from Mexico goes to like Colombia and then Brazil and further South.
0: Yeah, and you get to go and have this amazing lifestyle, buying media. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today, is some of the things you've learned to master, some of the setbacks that you've had, buying media and buying traffic. To date, what do you think you've bought, as far as, like, amount of money you've spent online?
1: Oh, no. I don't know. We did the calculation a long time ago. I know that when I worked in e-commerce, we were spending... I personally was managing a couple million a month. Yeah. and so that is easily like 30 or 40 million dollars when i was there and then since then it's got to be like close to 100 million dollars in total say, yeah
0: yeah you've you've been trafficking and buying a ton on a lot of different channels which one's your favorite channel right now do you think
1: um right now youtube i think but i kind of started in Google search and then made my way through other channels.
0: Okay, so this is what I wanted to dive into. So you are unique. Some some media buyers have been on one channel their whole career. You know, you've had the opportunity to really learn and master several different platforms. Tell me about your journey. Like you said, you started off with search. How did the platforms go? And then what are some of the differences you see from a media buying tactics from platform to platform?
1: Yeah, so I started in search, which is kind of unique, I think. Um, and it took like a year of what I call like paid search boot camp. Really, it was like six months before we got outside of just like a sandbox. I would make changes, other people would review it. Sure. Literally, we worked with senior media buyers who kind of like held your hand, and walk you through things for a long time. Um, on search is really transactional. People are looking for something on Google. No one goes to Google just browsing. People go there with like an end in mind. And so the clearest, like just getting to that result is the best results for Google search. Um, And so there's also like the psychology into it. We wrote a lot of studies of people. So if you're a server, and you mimic the language that your customers are using, your tips go up by like 40%. Mm. And so we use that same idea on Google search. Um, people oh, interesting. are more likely, yeah, you're more likely to click on the language that's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. So if you're looking for like um, a blue truck, you're gonna click on ad that, that says blue truck, not like turquoise something.
0: Sure, you know? yeah, or blue car.
1: Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: interesting, okay, so there's a big intent base, and it's kind of neat that you started off with the search side of things what was your next platform?
1: So I started really into like some social channels, Facebook. Um, We did a lot of Snapchat. I ran a lot of Snapchat ads to webinars, which we got like really low cost leads into the webinars. Um, And then YouTube kind of, I started working on YouTube immediately after there. And then over time, YouTube got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so it went from like a small percentage of the spend I was managing to the majority of the spend.
0: So what's the differences between, because YouTube is essentially another search engine, right? I think it's the second largest search engine besides Google itself. What are some of the differences um, or similarities maybe between the kind of campaigns that you're building and the copy that you're writing for a search and the types of ads and like the logic and strategy behind the YouTubes?
1: Yeah, YouTube's kind of completely different because, no, when people go to YouTube, they're looking for something, but it's completely different. So maybe they're looking for educational material, Mm. which is where we've used YouTube the most, right? It's people who are looking to learn something on their own, and then we kind of take them and we position them into the product. And so um, in the last job that I was providing media for, that was a big thing. We didn't activate anyone into the market. We didn't incur like motivate anyone to get started for the first time, but people who had already motivated themselves, those were the people who are on YouTube searching like how-to and searching like advanced strategies. And those were the people that we would convert into a a customer of the company. And so YouTube's a really good spot to find those like self-motivated people. People, if you're like taking that first step, maybe it's your first step or maybe it's your hundredth step. Maybe you've been on YouTube for years looking at this information. And so um, we kind of are able to take a step back a little bit, tell them more of a story before we push them into whatever the product is. It also, Google has gotten better over time. So five years ago, it was actually kind of how we bought media on YouTube five years ago is really different. Um, And since then, Google has released features like custom intent and custom affinity, which allows us to use the search data to drive YouTube campaigns. Oh, interesting. Yeah, people who have search intent for whatever, buy a car on Google search. They've been researching their car. Those are the people that then, hey, we can show like these cool videos of whatever the car we're selling on the YouTube side.
0: And what about the affinity? What's the difference between custom affinity and then the custom intent?
1: Yes. So there's basically purchase and search intent. There are people who have like intent just like around the search terms. They're yeah. researching something. And then there's people who are researching a purchase. They're looking at like different makes and models and kind of just making that purchase decision. So we see it kind of go back and forth. I usually like to test both of them. Uh, sometimes one or the other will do a lot better. Um, oftentimes when we're doing like e-commerce products the purchase intent will be the winner and then other times the search intense audience will just be so much bigger that there's more people interested in it than actively buying so just the size of those audiences help the campaigns do a lot better
0: Um, when you're being approached to run a youtube campaign or search or any any platform um, are you more concerned about the customer journey about the product, about the offer? Like where, where does your brain go to first to like unpack how you're going to approach your strategy to buy media for that, that offer?
1: On YouTube specifically? Yeah, or, or YouTube, or
0: if it's different for search, I'd love to hear like just your thought process. Like, okay, for search, I'm gonna do this, for YouTube, maybe for Facebook. You know, what are the things that you like to like, You know, so if I'm gonna to come to you and say, all right, we've got this client, they're selling this product, do you start to ask questions about like more of the funnel? Are you asking more questions about the product? Are you asking more questions about their audience? Like where do you go first? And then, you know, how do you kind of think about building the campaign in your mind?
1: Yeah, I try not to make assumptions myself. So I know a lot of times companies will be like, hey, our customers are like overwhelmingly women or overwhelmingly in this age group. But what we find is like a lot of times those interests are already segmented on those lines. So if we target like investments, a lot of those people are going to just naturally be men. Sure. So I don't think we need to like exclude women yeah, from that audience point. because yeah. the audience is naturally going to be segmented in that way. So the demographic stuff is not usually my first question. The price point of the product, I think, dictates a lot. If we okay. have a $5,000 product, usually we'll have a more complex funnel where, hey, we're like warming people up. And then we're driving you to some type of like lead magnet or something, getting your contact information and then making a sale in step three. If it is a $50 product, I want to just get people to order for them as quickly as we can. And so the price point, it dictates a lot of that. Um, The audiences that we're going after, if we're taking like people who have purchased intent for a car. I want to put you like literally on an order form and not only on an order form, like the perfect order form. Um, when I got started in media buying, I worked in home improvement. And so in home improvement, it like really matters to like make model application of what you're buying. Um, if you're buying like an air conditioner, you need the right air conditioner for your house, the right, right size, the right brand, all of those things. And so it land you on that page. If yeah. you knew, I want this manufacturer, I want this size, we put you exactly on that product page. Um, just to kind of alleviate those steps of finding the right product. We kind of help out with the merchandising side of things. If you have a really mer- well-merchandised site, as a media-buying team, we can get the right traffic on the right page, right? Like, it's a merchandising issue if people come to your website and they can't find their air conditioner. Yeah. And so we can put people, make sure they're entering into the right spot, make sure they're going to the right landing pages. Is that,
0: like, your biggest, like, concentration then is, like, because that's interesting you mentioned. That. I just read an that, read that article the other day that um, the majority of re- people leave a website because they can't find what they were looking for. Yeah. So that's, that's why they abandoned it. So when you're buying traffic or spending money to get someone's attention to drive to it, Sounds like that's a big emphasis. We want to make sure that they get exactly what it was that they were looking for, no questions asked, because otherwise we've failed. We've like, you know, we said that, oh yeah, we've got something like this and it and it's not there.
1: Yeah, Google search is like an Easter egg hunt. We just said Easter. People are looking for these things. And if they open a cabinet and it's not there, they're just gonna close it and keep going. And so it really matters like the language. I know a lot of times like with auto parts. Like yep. the make model of your car, the year of your car will dictate a lot. So if you get to a landing page and it's the wrong year, you just leave. Or like think of like an iPhone screen protector. True. If you have a twelve Pro Max and you go to an eleven screen protector, obviously it won't help you at all, yeah, and right. so you'll just bounce off that page. So. When they could
0: have had it, they just were on. They could have had it somewhere the second page or yeah. you know somewhere else on their website, but they didn't show you that. So the person's like, yeah,
1: yeah. A lot of times people try to use like our most popular product. And that is not really how Google search will work. Like we need to customize the product for the search intent people are coming in, not just show them like the most popular product.
0: What about like a lead magnet then? So let's talk about like an info-based type of product. Um, are you trying to match the problem? Are you trying to match the tone of the exact lead magnet? Like how do we make that same connection? I think it's 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 good for you know it's a good analogy for like e-commerce products like an auto part or you know a screen protector or something like that. What about a lead magnet in some way?
1: Yeah, I kind of think the opposite is true. We try to get as much volume as possible. And so for lead magnets, I think the opt-in page, like if we're giving away something for free, I want like 50% of traffic converted on the opt-in page. Yeah, And then when we go and get traffic for it, sometimes we'll run traffic with no targeting on Facebook specifically we can run campaigns which is no targeting it depends on like how much data you get into the ad account but we'll go as broad as we can on YouTube it's very similar like we try to get as big of audience as possible Mm -hmm. get as much traffic coming into it as possible Um, and it's true on YouTube too sometimes we'll run campaigns with just no targeting on it at all and let the algorithm go at it
0: Now, has that always been the case like you know when you started five years ago six years ago were you having to really over engineer these ad accounts and like really watch it, or was it like, no, back then you'd just let it wide open you know. as well. you know, How has the algorithms gotten better or worse in the last six years since you've been buying media?
1: Yeah, it's like not comparable. So okay. when we got started, it was like 10 years ago, and I would manage media as granularly as possible. On Facebook, you'd say, I'm targeting this one job title and this one job title only in this ad group. And the same thing with Google search, we would just have one keyword in an ad group. Which I still keep that. Um, but I didn't trust Google with any automation. And honestly, I kind of like slow to adopt automation because 10 years ago, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, now there are automation pieces that Google have that I trust a lot more. And like Facebook specifically kind of works with as much data as you pump in there. Yeah. So if you try to just give Facebook, this little tiny sliver of data, they're not gonna have enough input into the algorithm to really get the best audiences for you. On YouTube, it's the same thing. I try to, it's like with every conversion you make, Google is learning more and more and more about how to get an additional conversion into your campaign. And so when we have, there are some ad accounts that have run that's just one lead magnet, we're driving this one free opt-in and we're getting it at like $3 a click. And so we have just a ton, a ton of conversion data into that account. And those are the times where we can kind of take our hands off the steering wheel and just let the algorithm go for it. But all of that's pretty recent, even like automated bidding, like five years ago, I would never do that. Yeah. Um. Even still, I kind of push back on it. But there are definitely more applications for it now than there were in the past.
0: So when you're working with like junior media buyers, or you, we do a lot of audits here at StraightPoint, you're leading those audits. Um, what are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing? You know, junior media buyers make some of these entrepreneurs who are kind of been running their own ad accounts. You know, smaller businesses. What are some of the big common themes that you look at and you say, "Man, I see this all the time."
1: Yeah. So with Google specifically there's a lot of training material from Google, right? It's kind of interesting dynamic where we're essentially like a customer of Google and Google tells us how to buy from them, right? Google, obviously, their interests are not usually aligned with ours. They want to make as much money as possible and I usually want to spend as little money as possible. And so I see a lot of people who just take the Google roadmap. Yeah, and they both, do yeah. things, yeah, they, they spend money in a way that's just sloppy and inefficient because Google said so. And if I was Google, I'd say the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, usually there's settings that are not quite right, um, which it kind of takes like critical thinking a lot of times. Like, hey, do I really want to target people who are interested in the United States, which is usually default setting. I see nine times out of 10 on account audience. Like, If I'm selling a product in the United States, usually I want to target people in the United States, States, not people Googling the United States. I don't think that's quite the same thing. No. Um, On Google search, I see a lot more where people just try to let Google do everything.
0: Mm. And what
1: we do is, it's really like, Google search is a quality score issue. Um, okay. That quality score is your domain, the history of your domain, if your domain has done shady things with Google in the past, the landing pages that you're running, whether that landing page has copy that aligns with the search term people are looking for, whether your keyword aligns with the search term people are looking for, usually because of that, like broad keyword struggle. Because if I'm bidding on a really broad keyword that could be anything related to this topic, those word choices are not gonna be one-to-one and line up. But if I'm bidding on these keywords that line up directly with those search terms, I can kind of control all of that copy so that if you're looking for a blue truck, I show you blue truck, blue truck, blue truck, and we have the highest possible quality score. Uh, The quality score is impacted by the expected click-through rate. And so, like, that copy choice will dictate that click-through rate that people come in on um, and all of those factors that just deliver on the highest quality there. And so Yeah, usually- people don't understand.
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that. People really don't understand that what you just said there's two. I think people have heard about the domain thing and they've kind of heard about some of this stuff. But if the expected click-through rate that Google is assessing to your landing page and to your ads and saying, hey, are, is this? do people want this? Do we think that people are going to want this? Because they're in the business of making money. So the more that they think that, yep, this is what people want, they're going to give preferential treatment. Hence, that's where that quality score comes in because you can get more of the impressions
1: that come from that. Usually there's this like degree of like, so I kind of prefer spreadsheets over people. And so the numbers kind of come naturally where there's like efficiency numbers. And a lot of times people don't think about that. They think like, hey, this is my highest spending or this has the most sales or most conversions, which usually like favor these like really broad audiences or really broad keywords, which don't necessarily drive like the most efficient results. So when we're looking at efficiency, it really makes sense to step away from that. And people use these just huge, keywords that you can target with Google broad keywords that literally it's anything related to this topic and so that's a lot of traffic that might boil up into that and there's a lot that you kind of lose control in that the the copy and the journey you're sending people on
0: so let's talk about some of the kpis Um, i know we have all day for this and i could ask you questions (laughs) and keep going but um all right when you're building the campaigns you're turning it on and i bet it's different maybe off of what the client our client's objectives are but you're trying to get some things going and we're gonna assume it's out of the learning phase. Um, You know, are you looking click-through rates? You know, are you looking, you know, ROI? Are you looking at uh, landing page conversion? Are you looking at quality score? You know, and I'm sure it depends, but like, can you walk me through when you're like analyzing a number? This would be a typical day in the week for you. You've logged in to your accounts you're starting to go and check and you're like am i going to make a tweak or not what are some of the things that are standing out to you that you're like oh okay like if i ever see this i have to make the change and this is kind of it depends i'd love to hear how you kind of analyze that
1: Yeah, so I'm a believer in kind of looking at the appropriate metrics for the appropriate spot in the funnel. So when we're looking at the ad performance, the click-through rate's really important. Um, Also the revenue per impression is really important. Mm. We'll look at like how much revenue we're getting for any single impression that's out there. It's kind of like a grocery store shelf And we can dictate what products we put on that shelf. And there are some ads that you put out there that maybe it's not driving the revenue. And so there's the opportunity cost of switching that ad out with something that would. Um, And so those are the numbers that we look at a lot at the front end. I look at the average. So if my click-through rate is like 3%, but my average click-through rate is 5%, I'm pausing anything that's underneath that 5%. Um, and then that's true with every number, really. Like if I have revenue per impression and I have an average on that number, oh, I I'm like gonna that. make, yeah, my decision's just based off that average. What about
0: like, is do you make that exclusive to just the channel or will you do that like, Facebook's got this, YouTube's got this, and search has this, you know, will you do that over, or do you now, Facebook's can be different, search can be different and youtube can be different.
1: Yeah, so when I so this is like ad optimization. Usually okay. ad optimization happens in the UI for whatever network. So okay. if it's Facebook, I'm looking at a certain set of numbers for Facebook specifically and I'm making decisions based the average in there. If I have different types of campaigns, I'll filter. So like if I have a watch list and then I have like this product sale, I'll filter those differently and okay. I'll look at like all watch lists together and then I'll make decisions and Okay, so you board. yeah,
0: so we dive down even deeper in like cuz there's a big difference in intent between a lead magnet and what that is and like you said a product purchase like that's totally different so the metrics could be different because we're asking the person to do something different okay that makes sense
1: Yeah. so at the front end those are the numbers that I think are the most important on different networks maybe we'll look at different things on Facebook frequency is really important to me and so I'll make decisions about that if I see things with higher frequencies then I'll make adjustments based off of that Um, but really add up kind of boils down to those same numbers across the board Um, and I believe that it's not really the job to convert people. No one buys a product from an ad alone. And so the next step is when I'll take in more of the revenue numbers. And so like ROAS, ROI, which I don't actually look at as much. I think ROAS is a little bit fairer for media buying in general because like, in an ROI calculation, you could have some inefficiency somewhere else in your business, right? And, sure. and it's taking into account on your media buying. Um, so ROAS is usually a number we look at at that step, or we'll look at it different way. So I'm used to buying off of like a spend revenue percentage, basically the opposite of ROAS. And the reason for that is usually in like e-commerce, we're trying to scale accounts really quickly. ROAS numbers aren't like the best indicator, right? Sure. Um, a lot of startups, a a lot of businesses in e-com wanna spend a small percentage of revenue into ads, so like 10%. And so that's where spend a revenue comes more handy because hey, like I'm spending 10% of my revenue versus if we're looking at ROAS, now we're looking at like hey, 900 percent or something and the numbers are pretty inflated.
0: Yeah, I could go into that big time. There's some really fascinating studies that have been coming out recently of these big brands like Casper Mattresses how much revenue they have, and how much they spent on marketing. And that's how they did it. They didn't do it. If they would have done it off of ROAS, they never would have scaled. No. They did it off of what you just mentioned. A lot of, that's really smart. A lot of people don't know that. I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, so, all right, we. I have one more question for you. So, how do you get inspired? Like, you know, you've got a lot going on. You've got this huge world of digital marketing. What do you do? How do you get inspired every single day to keep pushing yourself to become better?
1: Yeah, so you kind of mentioned the travel at the front end. And I think that's a big part of things. I when you are commuting in your car two hours and stop and go traffic, it's really hard to like have creative ideas. Yeah. And so some of the best ideas I come up with are like from a beach or on a boat or something. Yeah. And so I think that like breaking out of just like taking the subway and sitting in my car is a big factor of that. Um, and then the other thing I think is that. I'm really focused on goals and priorities. And so I set a lot of goals in terms of like the short term, the long term, and then also like today, what's the priorities? What are we getting done today? What can we get done today? What what, what will actually move the needle today? And so I think that's a big factor of things. Um, It's easy, I think, to like kind of be like a ship adrift, like not going anywhere, if you are not kind of like keeping yourself tied to those. And so I think that's a big factor there.
0: Well, you are really driven. You're one of the most driven people I know, and you're really talented. So thanks for this. I'm sure everyone who's watching loved that, man. You're the man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I definitely have to have you back for a much deeper dive into what you're doing from a medium mind perspective. For sure. All right, guys. That's it from me. This is Jeremy. Catch us next time.